0: Today's show is brought to you by TransferWise. Do you ever need to send money internationally? Maybe you're an engineer who moved to the US, or a business owner paying suppliers in another country, or a freelancer getting paid by a client in a foreign country. You should use TransferWise. Because when it comes to sending money, banks are stuck in the past. TransferWise is the future. You pay into a local account, and TransferWise pays your recipient from an account in their country. Currencies don't need to cross borders. And that should matter to you because it lets TransferWise do the things your bank can't. They charge one low fee and give you a low rate. Is your bank slow and hard to use? TransferWise payments take seconds to set up. See how much you can save by going to TransferWise.com or download the app from the Apple Store or Google Play. Once again, that's TransferWise.com. Transfer as in, I need to transfer money to another country. WISE spelled W-I-S-E. TransferWise.com. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. You may know me as the person who ignores all of your Slack messages, but in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Or just visit riconet slash podcasts for more. Today in the red chair is Chamath Palihapitiya, the CEO of Social Capital. What's up? What's up? And one of our most popular podcaster guests, essentially. Oh, yeah. I can't believe that. Just add to your giant ego. When Chamath came on <laughs> Rico Decode in March of 2016, we talked about rich douchebags and companies behaving badly in Silicon Valley. <laughs> so clearly nothing ever changes. He's also an owner, a part owner of the Golden State Warriors, which I'm told is a pretty good basketball team. And in his spare time, he does investing and just... You know, just mouthing off essentially, yeah, right? Basically. Which is my favorite part. Welcome back, Shamath. Thank you. You know, you are one of my favorite people. Don't tell anyone else here in Silicon Valley, but I, I enjoy talking to you about these things. There's so much to talk about, but first, let's talk about what you're doing because you're you. I've written a couple stories uh, recently about things, changes you're making at yeah. Social Capital. Um, why don't we go over those and talk about where your company's headed?
1: Well, um, here's the best way I think to frame. Well, take a step back, right? It's like, what does capitalists what function do they serve right, right? in a well-functioning an economy right you have these two things that should come together you have an economic model and you have a political model right and so the economic model that's worked for centuries as far as we can tell is capitalism
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and
1: the political model that's worked in scale is democracy right
0: yes um, often
1: well together often well when they're both combined is where you have these amazing right. outcomes like america Now, the problem is that a bunch of these things are decaying. In fact, now we see both are decaying. And capitalists, I think, have a very important job to do, which is they vote with their money about what they want to exist in the future. And when they vote for rockets, SpaceX exists. And when they vote for other things that are not nearly as interesting as rockets, then those things can exist, right? The way that we do our job, though, as capitalists, despite now all of the complexity that you have to deal with, hasn't changed. So if you think about the thousands of years leading up to 19, maybe 85, you had mostly dudes making decisions with the sum total of a pencil, Mm -hmm. a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. and some combination of an abacus or a calculator. So not very
0: much information.
1: And so, but now, not to take anything away from how decisions were made back then, But an investor or a capitalist could actually do their job because the complexity of the businesses and the things that they had to figure out was actually not that meaningful. Right. Okay? These things weren't dynamic. They weren't changing. Then somewhere in 1985, like the whole world changed and capitalism completely changed. And the reason was because of this weird little tool called Excel. Right. And if you really think about, like, the advent of the mortgage-backed industry, the savings and loan industry, then the savings and loan crisis, then the great financial crisis, the boom in hedge funds, um, the boom in private equity, what is that? Well, what that was was a migration from a person to teams of people and from paper and pencil and a calculator to Excel. Right. And the way that I think about it is, well, that was fine for the last 30 to 40 years, but now things are even more complicated. Right. How do you excel your way to understanding, for example, a company like Tesla? It's impossible. You have to have a more profound operational sense of what they're doing, and you have to look at fundamentally leading indicators. And when you boil things down to a cell and try to get a numerical answer to really dynamic companies, you tend to have bad outcomes. Right,
0: so how do you determine? So
1: my perspective is our job is increasingly more important because at the same time as companies are more dynamic, the other side of our equation, the governance model, is breaking, Mm -hmm. right? So we actually have an even more important job to do. If the government is not going to fix healthcare, we need to fix it. Mm -hmm. If they're not going to fix education, we need to do it. So how do you do it? My perspective is instead of teams of financial analysts, you now have to have teams of really skilled operators, people who have built companies. And instead of using Excel, you have to use the thing that other great companies use to build great outcomes, which is really now software, data science, machine learning. Right. And so my whole orientation about our organization is one where I'm asking ourselves, okay, the next generation great financial services organization, the next great form of capitalism right. will be folks like myself and Tony Bates and Mike Gafari and Arjun Sethi, folks that have run businesses figuring out how to put money to work. Backed by a deep operational understanding of how to build companies, right? And that does not come. So you're
0: talking about being a company yourself, like being Absolutely. not not being here. I'm. Mean, I was just telling someone earlier that someone I was talking to some venture capitalists, and one of them called himself a seller of money. Um, he's that's trying. That's a horrible, right, but that's how it's been. He, he said that's how it's yeah. been. But I it's mean, not untrue. Like, that's what venture capitalists have been. Like, take my money over your money over that person's money because I have this to offer. I, I, that's I, been the way it's been. It's yeah, really and, and, a very and I good think, description. Yeah,
1: and I think that historical artifact was fine for a while. But think of, like, now what is possible. This is what I'm saying is, like, I guess you could continue to do your job that way. But that's just, to me, like, so bland and, and lacks such courage. Because what you could otherwise be saying is the following okay, here's a great entrepreneur who wants to help, who wants to go and change something in the world and do something really interesting. Here we are as folks that have kind of been in their shoes at one point in the past. And at the same time, not only can we give them money, but the expertise of that, which is frankly the same, but now there's something else you can give, which is to say, hey, we've spent time deploying code, aggregating data, deep inside the bowels of hundreds of companies, thousands of companies before you. And what that's left us with are these artifacts, it's a knowledge base that basically says, when you try this, it works. When you try this, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Across sector, stage, geography. Now, all of a sudden, you can actually give people like a list of, literally like a punch list of things to right. help make their business better. Right. But you can only do that with software. Right. You can only do that with so machine learning and data science. There is a great science.
0: resistance to it. The idea that these ideas are so analog that they just come out of the top of your head. You know, there is, the, it's that is a persistent. A, I mean,
1: that's a joke.
0: I know, but it is the persistent ethos as these entrepreneurs with these great ideas that push their way, you know. You know, it's like,
1: or or like, you know, to build on what you're saying, it's like, you know, Steve Jobs was there, you know, dropping acid, and that's how the iPhone came to be. That's not true, Mm -hmm. right? Or Facebook just created itself. That's not true. It was iterated to perfection, Mm -hmm. right? I'll give you one example. So I don't own an Apple Watch, but someone who owns the watch was telling me this story about a feature that they released because it was publicized where they had a way to like determine like that sometimes the the band would cause your phone to pitch and yaw on your wrist mm. and they had a way of adjusting for it so that it didn't like trick your accelerometer or whatever the only way a feature like that ever gets to market is because it was measured mm-hmm. it was understood to be a problem and then it was fixed and then they knew that people actually latently had that as an issue so then you marketed it right that's a data-driven process of iteration. Sure, sure. So the idea that if the best companies are doing it, it's not right, right for the smallest companies to me is insanity.
0: Right. So you're talking about the idea of using giving people all these signals. Creating a venture capital that does something much different than just selling money to them. Here, I'm Jamath, I'm smart cuz I did this at Facebook or blank or AOL or whatever. Yeah. So but the pitch is always it's been It's a
1: knowledge base. Right. And it's a knowledge base that grows independent of and outlives any current set of partners that may work at social capital and mm-hmm. that's the key because like if you have that kind of a system a codex right so what do we need you yeah and, and frankly i don't view i don't view my role as instrumental i view my role as part of a process of creating that artifact mm-hmm. and 15 or 20 years from now there'll be an entire you know suite of employees and partners at social capital that then continue to build that knowledge base and then 50 years and 100 years from now because the output of that will be better entrepreneurship the odds of success go up. Your ability to now differentiate yourself goes up, and then going back to how we started, it then does the job not just of capitalism, but of governance to the extent that governance continues to degrade. So,
0: how is that different than you know glomming a consulting company onto a money company, like a money giving company?
1: Um, well, I think economically, actually, it behaves the same way in the following way. Like th- this is part and parcel of like a comment about what you said earlier as well. Why are VCs reticent to do it? It's a money game. When you have nine people running $10 billion, that's way better than having 90 people
2: mm-hmm. run
1: $10 billion because the fee income is so ginormous mm-hmm. that you'd rather just chop it up amongst nine people. So if you go to the entrenched you know, establishment and say, hey, you know what? I think what's in the best interest of the entrepreneur is not that you make $8 bucks a year, but instead that you hire a bunch of machine learning and data science people to actually help support them. The answer is, yeah, in theory, that's right. But you know what? They should do that on their own.
0: Right. Okay, well, the problem is- They can't do it on their own individually. And and,
1: and it's not their fault. You know why the problem? Why they can't do it? Mm-hmm. Just in the last five years, do you know how much money has gone into Silicon Valley and China?
0: No,
1: tell me. $1 trillion. Mm-hmm. How does $1 trillion find a home without the following market conditions emerging? A bunch of companies getting overfunded, many who should otherwise be going out of business so that the talent can then- be attracted to the winners. Now, instead of like a two year life cycle from starting to failure, now you have a four or five or six year life cycle where the outcome is the same. Right. So any one company now, just statistically-
0: Isn't gonna make it. So they don't care. Has a much lower
1: chance of getting the talent they need to solve these problems. Whereas what I can say is, you know what? That infrastructure that can help you do massive amounts of machine learning on top of massive amounts of data, To drive real outcomes exists in three companies, Facebook, Google, Amazon. It just so happens that I was, at the worst case, an accidental tourist that helped build one of them. Mm -hmm. And so I can attract the same kinds of people to mm-hmm. work with us across fifty companies. So
0: what does that make you now? So explain what you're doing that you can't announce right now. You're you're obviously transforming this into something else, and people are watching. They're like, oh, he's just talking. You know, what I mean, like, because they want to stay in that same old way. In,
1: in any given point in time, right now, you know, we are parsing through hundreds of terabytes of data in real time, learning. Now, hundreds of terabytes of data is frankly not that much data in the grand scheme of things, but. You know, six months ago or, you know, two years ago, it was a lot less. And six months and two years from now, it'll be exponentially greater. Mm -hmm. I feel like what I felt like 2007 at Facebook, which is that we have stumbled into something here that has deep, profound value. And I think- Over other investors. and, And I think what we do at the end of the day, the investment decision is a fundamental byproduct of learning. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think investors typically think that they make investment decisions and then they learn. Right. But when you flip it on its head, there are huge ramifications. So one is compensation, right? Because right, you need to have all these other people, and two is hierarchy. Mm-hmm. You are now putting engineers and product managers, data scientists, machine learning people at the the center of an organization. Right. Whereas, you know, the McKinsey, you know, MBA, blah, blah, blah person is now sort of at the edge.
0: Or the venture capitals where they have these extra. That's where they are normally, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the partners get over-indexed for their talent and what they contribute. I mean,
1: mean, most of these partners in in most of these firms have never worked anywhere. Right. You know, their historical artifacts of operational, like, credibility are zero. Mm -hmm. They're non-existent. They're, like I said, they went to MBA school. Um, and before that, they worked at some fancy investment bank or consulting firm. They don't haven't done anything, mm-hmm. right? So that's why I think if you have people that have done things, and then you combine that with engineers and PMs and data scientists who then find insights of how to do things better, what you get is, again, is like a blueprint that you can give to an entrepreneur that says, we understand what makes companies fail so, and win. Right. We understand the difference between a false positive and a false negative. So it
0: can be all t- down to data. I'll
1: give, you, I'll give you another example. You know, we have, I think, the most sophisticated understanding of network effects in the entire world. Why? Well, myself and my team helped exploit it to massive effect at Facebook to a Mm -hmm. scale that's unprecedented. And underneath that, we built a lot of very nuanced ways of understanding, you know, network effects. I put it in air quotes because it's so overused. But I think we really do understand it. So when we look at a business like Slack, like why were we so bullish on that company? It had nothing to do with like how we thought about it uh, from a very superficial, top-down perspective. This was all about a bottoms-up understanding about how it was completely rewriting the way work was done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How we got to that ground truth was through the data. Mm-hmm. And because we it were then able amazing to-
0: amazing insight you had jogging no, or doing your- No,
1: we stumbled into an yoga, insight. Yoga, your hot yoga or no, something like that. No, although I do do that. Now, no, I figured which we you Which should get to. Yeah. Um, no, but it was because we stumbled into something, which was we were like, wait a minute, This thing is being used across companies, what we call intra-company network edges. And we see this massive growth in it. And then we were able to think about how that was going to change that business. That's why we're so constructive on that business. So what do we need venture
0: capitalists for? You don't. You don't.
1: You don't. Yes. What you need are people with insights. Right. So that they can partner with these entrepreneurs. And it just so happens that, you know, typically— if you were like a quote-unquote BI company, you'd force the company to pay you. In this weird twist of fate, what we do is we take all of our insights and we pay the company to Mm -hmm. be able to give it to them.
0: It's even better. Right, right, you give the money and the insights. So
1: that's what we're building, Carol. Like that is what- what, do you
0: call it? What are you calling it then? I mean, I think it's it's like a
1: modern modern Berkshire Hathaway, you know, meaning like, what is Berkshire, right? Berkshire has the ability to come to an entrepreneur and say, we will be with you through thick and thin. Mm -hmm. We have a massive balance sheet. We'll start at the, you know, whenever we start and we'll never sell. (laughs) Similarly for us, we have a a version of that, which is we do seed, venture, growth, we do equity, we can do debt, we do private, we do public. But the most important thing is once we've made a decision to be beside you, we will never go away. Mm -hmm. We will deploy code, we will deploy people, we will help you every day understand your business better. Mm -hmm. We will find things, and as we find things, we will help you exploit those things so that you are building
0: an edge. So you didn't know this, but let us give you this insight. Exactly. So is that venture capital? What is that? I think it's- You it's, think that's what venture has to be going I think, forward?
1: Yeah. And I think the reason is because that, that is what modern capitalism should be, which is mm-hmm. about learning. Because again, the historical artifact beyond like putting investing before learning that we want to rewire- is also what you want to rewire is the psychological bias of investing. So mm-hmm. when you do that, what what are you gonna do? You're gonna invest based on pattern recognition.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what is the negative byproduct of that? Dudes. Dudes, people that don't look like they could be entrepreneurs, business models that look like they can't work, all of these things that psychologically tell you to say no right. should actually be a reason to say yes if you actually had ground truth insight. Right.
0: So they're they're basing their decisions on analog. It's a- analog. An, it's an analog world. Or, and then
1: and then if you do that and you allow people to divorce themselves from psychological bias, you have a more functionally complete form of capital. Mm. So they're
0: missing a lot of talent. Absolutely. It, it was interesting because I was just talking before I was in Kentucky and West Virginia looking at these programs to train tech here, sourcing all this other stuff last week. And one of the things that was interesting about it is I kept thinking, who here is the next billion dollar idea that's utterly getting missed? I'm sure they're here. I'm sure there's talent here or in a, you know, a country in Africa, or they're there. Can I build on this? They're there. Yes, please. I I, I just, I sit there and I'm like, I know they're here. I have like, I don't know who they are. I suspect
1: that if you really unpacked it, right, that, let's let's use it like an analogy people would understand. There's always the head, the torso and the tail for anything, right? Mm -hmm. There are probably an unbelievable number of entrepreneurs in the torso and the tail everywhere in the world, building all kinds of businesses that we think may or may not work, but that probably will work. And their ability to get escape velocity or be noticed is really impaired right now. Absolutely. And if there was a way to unlock it, what I suspect you would be shocked by is Mm -hmm. exactly what you said, that the complexion and the type and the ambition of these people would just blow us away. And frankly, honestly, like, isn't that like kind of what we need right now? Like just Mm a little like kind of like faith in human nature and Mm -hmm. humanity. And like, we Mm -hmm. need a little bit of that. We need like, not just kids in hoodies, Mm -hmm. but we need all kinds of interesting people taking the world into their own hands Fixing what's broken, mm-hmm. making it better, but you need a constructive form of capitalism to support them.
0: Right, right. And so I think, why does this persist? Why does this? Because I, li- I, it's odd that we're talking about this. Because when I was yesterday I was in Silicon Valley, I talked to a bunch of venture capitalists. I'm like, this has to end. The way they're doing it, it doesn't absolutely. make any sense whatsoever. I mean,
1: that stuff. They, just I needs know to it just it wasn't intuitive. It
0: was like my lizard brain that this can't continue the way the way they're making decisions. And we're talking about how they solve for these sexual harassment problems. I'm like. The whole system oh, has that's a to joke. change. That's a joke. Do you know what I mean? We'll get that's to that. But the whole system's broken in that regard. It's not even broken, it never was right. It just it was, was.
1: It was never right. Now, you know, you could take the stance, which I think is They fair made to a lot say, of great companies. That, and also that, you know what? They were participants in a system and they were trained to win a game and they're doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so be it. That's fine. But every now and then you need a couple of us that walk in there and say, no. Let's lob a grenade in here, blow it up, and restart it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I think this is our moment.
0: How are people taking that? Because they love that kind of stuff from you, Chimo.
1: So engineers, product managers, designers, entrepreneurs, they, love they it. eat it up. Mm-hmm. And because that's what they're doing. They see something fundamentally broken and misaligned, and they're like, great, I'm going to fix it. And they look at us, and not only am I trying to fix it, Cara, I'm, I'm literally like every dollar that is not nailed down, I will put into this to make this work. Mm-hmm. So... That's like to me, like I don't know. I just feel really honor bound it, by that, and I think that other people who are going through that same struggle say it may it work, it may not work, but man, that that takes a lot of balls, and I respect that. So decision.
0: you're providing investment at any level, right? Yes. Which usual venture firms don't. Let's be clear for people who don't understand it. Usually, they focus on one area, of growth or seed or something like that. Right. So any time you'll be able to service absolutely up to and including the last stage investments, right?
1: In fact, as a public business, too. Right, as a
0: public business. Okay. Yeah. Advisory in terms of data. Like, this is what's working. This Here's the million companies we've looked at. This is what happens when this... Yeah, so
1: as an example, like, you know, I'm not going to name these companies uh, just for confidentiality, but, you know, we deploy data scientists and machine learning folks, and they'll spend two to three days a week inside some of our best companies helping them get better every day. Mm-hmm. And this is not to take away from the work that they do, It's but it's to, it's to um, complement that. Right. Because it just gives them... CEOs, yeah, it gives them a level of human capital leverage. It's like, for example, like, you know, we can show up and say, well, here's a gentleman that built the entire data infrastructure for Facebook. He can come in today and help you do the same thing. Here's a person that basically designed the entire network model for Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. They can help you do the following things. Here's a person who is otherwise about to go and spend her entire life like fixing a multitude of, you know, health issues in Africa who will now come and like help you figure out a whole bunch of very complicated, nuanced parts of your go-to-market. And so those kinds of resources are rare. Mm-hmm. I think that many of the people that you know I get the chance to work with every day are these kinds of 10x contributors. And so our organization, I think, can be very effective operationally. And it also just aligns us in the way we behave, in the way we compensate, in our values, in what our expectations are. We don't look like a venture firm. We don't operate like one. What do We'd, you
0: call yourself? Then? What do you-
1: I, think it's a, I think it's sort of like a, a modern... You know, we're like a helper. Like we're, I think what we are is AWS, but for money. Okay. You know, like what did Amazon do, right? What does AWS really do? You take a very complex and necessary part of building a company, but it's not sufficient to success, Mm -hmm. but it's necessary. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that you never thought you would give away to people, Mm -hmm. right? You'd have to do it yourself. Like I remember Facebook, we were racking servers. Mm -hmm. And now the idea of like racking a server just seems completely Right.
0: Right. Let's move that along. Let's move that along.
1: So... I I would like to be that for the flow of capital. So that an organization says, you know, there's an infrastructure that I can plug into that allows them to understand us, that gives us deep insights about how to improve. It's built on top of a knowledge base where, you know, the entire system gets better as more companies participate. And along the way, they can now give us differentiated capital. And by the way, Here's why it's even better for the entrepreneur. Our cost of capital now becomes cheaper because we more profoundly understand the business. Mm -hmm. So a typical series B is like, oh, I'll invest $15 million at 100 posts. Well, I could invest $15 million at 100 pre. Mm -hmm. That's better for you.
2: Right, right.
1: Um, Or if you can do a combination of debt and equity, that's even better for you. So for the entrepreneur, it's like you get insights and then you get more ownership.
0: Right kind of a win-win. Do you have to be their partner the whole time? A lot of them don't want necessarily partners. No.
1: And in fact, like our, our goal is like, you know, there, there there is two kinds of influence that happens in a company. One is sort of the you know, what happens at the board level and what happens operationally. You know, we're happy to engage as deeply as they want. If they don't want our help, we won't. If they want us to disengage, if they want us to re-engage, we're very flexible. So you'll provide way. them anything. It's just those resources that we think are really the critical ground truth people that matter. And then we complement them with boards because at the earliest stages, It's a very emotionally fragile relationship when you're trying to get a company to product market fit. And so we want to support infrastructure there. But we're also very happy with you finding an independent, finding somebody else, because as long as that ground truth exists, we can empower a lot of different kinds of people that you feel comfortable with. But
0: you're not, you're you're in the governance side of the house. But you're not like those, remember a couple of years, many years ago, there was all those incubators, they're not really incubators. Remember they had, remember Bill. Gross. Gross. Yeah, yeah, and he had like there was a station for PR. Yeah. That's, that's not, that's what, you're not talking. what we do. What were those? I used to call them incinerators. <laughs> <What were> they? <laughs> I mean
1: the, the the historical fact is you're right.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. I, like, but they had signs like here's PR. Now move over. Like you were getting yeah, like a salad, it was yeah. crazy. And I no, was No, for like, us
1: it's more like, hey, you know what, here are these like 15 A-B tests we think you should run. Um, and if you want us to, we can run them for you and actually like tell you how they right, do. Right, right, so or, it's, a, you it's know, not exactly here's that. a huge pricing elasticity framework. Or, right. you know what, can we inject some JavaScript so that we can, you know, across five of our companies figure out how much overlap there is in like lead generation. Right. You know, like why would you spend money on Google and Facebook if we could tell you 30% of those leads we can or just a waste give of you for time. free.
0: Right, or a waste of time. Yeah. All right, we're going to get into the idea of what happens then to venture capitalists. I hope they all go away, in my opinion. But it'll be interesting to see what happens to them. We're here with Chamath Palihapitiya. I think you're just Chamath from now on. I think yeah, that's what, like just you're like that. Beyonce. Like I feel like you've become that in a lot of ways. I mean, I think she's amazing. She is amazing. She's anyway, incredible. when we get back, we'll be talking about that. And more. Chamath. Did you see her
1: latest set of pictures on Instagram? No, I did not. She's
0: incredible. <laughs> This show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, more than 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate through the site in just one day. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com decode. That's ZipRecruiter.com decode. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash decode. I'd also like to tell you about Recode Media with Peter Kafka. I'm in New York, and I ran into Peter Kafka.
3: Oh, my God, Kara. I'm seeing you again.
0: I know, I know. I Please was leave. I was enjoying some lovely free snacks here at Vox Media, and there you were.
3: There's the smart food you ate all the smart food.
0: I did. So tell me about what you talked about this week on your show, Recode Media with Peter. I Kafka. talked to
3: a gentleman you are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Many of our listeners are familiar with him. He's Tim Armstrong, ah, Tim. former Google revenue boss, former cheekbones, AOL CEO. As I like to call he him. Loved, he had prominent cheekbones, cheekbones, covered with a beard, and he is now the something something of.
0: Oath. Oath CEO, I think He's the CEO.
3: CEO of both. He runs the thing that is AOL and Yahoo smushed together. Yeah,
0: worst name ever, don't you think? Did you discuss that?
3: Tim was familiar with some of the stuff I'd written about him in the past, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to be extra mean.
0: Oh, you want to be extra mean? Yeah, now he brought it up. Kind of so, I
3: read that article.
0: That you wrote. <laughs> These people are such like <laughs> so, yeah, it turns such out delicate when you write flowers. About they're yeah. like like the one little thing, and they're like you hurt my feelings.
3: So we tried to talk about why it makes sense for Verizon to own two internet companies. That was somewhat fruitful. Did figure but, it out? No, but you know what was great was talking to him about how he got to Google, how he built up Google, um, what he did right at AOL. Very what he critical screwed executive,
0: up. early Google, for sure. Yeah,
3: and he some degree of, of candor from him, which Good. I really appreciate. Well, he's
0: like that. He can be like that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Cool. Can't wait to listen. Thanks. You can find Recode Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're here talking with Chamath. That's your name. I'm just going to call you Chamath I love it. now. It's That's perfect. Student. It's yeah, like student. Madonna or whatever. It's always women that have single names. It's interesting. So you were just talking about changing what you're doing at Social Capital is different and you're not a venture capital firm really though you make investments the way you were describing I think was perfect is that you yeah. you provide money but also information and all kinds of other services uh, using data scientists and others. So what's been happening in the venture situation here in Silicon Valley? It's like rocked by sexual harassment scandals, which is one end of the spectrum, yeah. uh, you know, criticized for a lack of diversity, which this seems to solve or, or yeah. is a step in that direction because the way they make decisions on who they invest in and who they get as partners. What is happening and what do you think has to happen What do you when you look at across the spectrum of things?
1: I think there's a huge sort of rude awakening that's going to exist in the venture landscape, and it goes along the following lines. Most of the practitioners, exactly as you said, I think are dated both in their philosophy, their framework, and their capability, right? Uh, These are people that grew up in a different time where the social signaling of where they went to school mattered enough where they could get these very prestigious, quote-unquote, prestigious jobs. The problem is that it's not a prestigious job. It's a critical job. And so the people who get prestige versus the people who get criticality are very different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. So the rude awakening is going to be the following, which is like when you look across the venture landscape, you have a bunch of people who are frankly ill-suited to do what they're doing, and so as a result, they feed off historical bias. They kind of focus on the things that they know the best, which will result ultimately in a bunch of marginal investments.
0: Right, most of which will go nowhere.
1: Most of which will go nowhere. At the same time, what happens is the public markets provide them a provides the investor, in this case the mm-hmm. LP, a very reasonable way of actually getting almost the same return, if not in many cases, an equivalent and better return. And so now the LP in these funds have to ask the following question. Well, I can lock up my money for what is effectively- Nine you years. know, Yeah, 10, 12 years now, because these companies take longer to gestate, and get basically the same return I can for being in a highly liquid public market security. So from any sort of logical risk-based assessment for a limited partner, I think what happens is there will be a culling. Right. And any of these folks that can't have differentiated returns, you are not going to take on the risk of being a liquid, especially if you think about in a world that is probably going to become more complex, more dynamic, so you want to be less stable. You want to have massive amounts of liquidity because you don't know when the dislocation is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so in a world like that, I think like all of these kind of like middling also ran firms go away.
0: Right. The $200 million firms are higher, even the higher. Or no,
1: I I think it's irrespective of AUM. It's just folks whose whose approach is sort of just dated and not current.
0: Come to our office, enjoy our khakis.
1: You know, we're, you know, we're nine people. We're going to try to raise the next fund. We're going to chop it up amongst ourselves. Um, It's about us. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, you know, we make the best decisions we can, which again is okay. But again, I think LPs really start to push back. Separately, what happens is you're going to have different folks who have different approaches. I suspect, actually, the the most disruptive entrant into the venture capital landscape can probably be Google, Microsoft, and Amazon. Why? Because most of the businesses are built on top of them. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't take much logic to actually view a world where Amazon's like, well, I'm I'm renting you the – you know, computer, I'm renting you the storage, I'm renting you the algorithms, I'm renting you all of this stuff. Oh, I'll just give you some money along the way as well. Right.
0: And they do that,
1: right. you know, with credits, but they don't really take it to the next level. That's something, of And that's not,
0: that's not corporate venture capital.
1: No. No, this would be like, it's almost like a function. Because they buy these companies anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a function in AWS. Like, it, right. this should just, just be a thing in a marketplace. It's like, mm-hmm. here's your cost of capital. And there's probably a place on a website you can go to mm-hmm. where, you know, every third party seller on Amazon can understand his or her. Uh, quality, you know, how are they relative to all the other sellers on Amazon, which mm-hmm. is probably how Amazon decides right. how to lend to them. So it's
0: not an artisanal business. And anymore. by the way, Amazon has lent
1: billions of dollars to these companies. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between them and a venture capitalist? Nothing. Right. So, except they do it systematically, quantitatively, unemotionally. Right. 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 And so then as a result, they get a lot more people in the game. So, my whole point of view here is that in the next five to 10 years, all of that comes home to roost. Massive balance sheets, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, potentially Apple, all the Chinese big internet companies, folks like us who are providing key insight based on some amount of proprietary data, whether it's gleaned from AWS or whether it's gleaned from server logs that you proactively give to an investor. And then everybody that isn't that, the LPs say, well, wait, you you have an undifferentiated product which forces then you to invest in the marginal outcomes, which now ties up my money for a shitty return relative to what I can get in the public markets. And so that's what happens to venture capitalists.
0: Right, right. And then they go, th- because it's treated artisanally. There's a special sauce they bring if you have this particular also a venture. Awesome joke. Ca- also a joke. Yeah.
1: It's a total joke. Yeah. They do like, sell it well. Hindsight bias, navel-gazing bullshit.
0: Yeah, so why? How do, how come it works for so long?
1: because there was never any competition. Yeah. And now there is. Yeah. And also, there was never supposed to be a guy like me with a couple billion dollars. Mm-hmm. That's just not supposed right. to happen. Right. Yeah. Because that's the last thing they want. Right. It's some loudmouth kid <laughs> with a lot of money, you know, who frankly is going to build whatever he wants to yeah. build. Right. And enough, I'm not saying I have a lot, but enough credibility to get enough critical people mm-hmm. to get it past that existential product market fit phase, right. which we are. Right. And then what happens is all these di- investors who otherwise were, you know, they were not sure I was a cultural fit for, I wasn't sure they were a cultural fit for, right. they all capitulate.
0: So so it's a little like I'm thinking of Moneyball or whatever when he came in and started doing Yada rather than the gut of the people that watch people on.
1: What's the quote? It's like, you know, it was a Billy Bean quote, like, we're not hiring these guys how they fill out their genes. Like, we're right. hiring them for, like, you know, a bunch right. of statistical right. things. Why does that
0: whole gut thing persist? I think now. Th-
1: I think now that is more of a physiological uh, bias of men, mm-hmm. which is that there I is just a, this guy. there is just a there's a need mm-hmm. to act with bravado, especially when you have power. Mm-hmm. I think men treat power very differently, frankly, than women do, mm-hmm. and I think men have a very um, kind of like a very hierarchical way in which they impose power. So it's kind of hard power. And, uh, I, and I think they love the bravado of that idea of, like, oh, my gut told me. Listen, I do believe that, like, your limbic system is a very powerful— Yeah,
0: this is Zuckerberg kid. I knew it at the time. You know, right?
1: but but it's, like, the idea that, like, you just knew it at the time is yeah, just kind of— It's a good didn't. story. Come on. I mean, it they sounds didn't. cute. Yeah. Nobody knew.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know? So speaking of that, it leads to bad outcomes such as what's going on with the sexual harassment stuff. How do you solve that? Are you just—they just need to go away just like dinosaurs or what?
1: I think that there's a couple things. One is, like, you know, when these things happen. So I I actually think, like, well, I I don't know. I I hope that this first wave of, the obvious stuff, I mean, this is a terrible way to describe right. it, but the no. low-hanging yeah. fruit of sexual harassment, okay, right. great. Let, maybe we've dealt with that. Right. Here's what's much more insidious that we I, now have to— Down on the other end. It's all of the conscious and unconscious bias. It's all the little snide remarks. It's all the ways people yeah, are included and excluded. That's the stuff that's super corrosive. Yeah. And so how do you overcome that? Well, one is you have to have people that give a shit, Mm -hmm. and when you see it, you root it out fast, and Mm -hmm. you act decisively. It does not matter how important that person is, how they've behaved in the past, how much money they've made you. You put them on ice, and you put them on a path to get better, or you kick them out. Mm -hmm. Period, end of story, number one. Number two is then on the other side of that, you have to have a support infrastructure that creates a different way of giving these people an outlet so that they feel supported. So for example, you know, there are so many great people in YPO, mm-hmm. but there are so many great people who don't believe like that's a great fit for them, right? So, you know, do we need other forms of that? Absolutely. Should they be by definition more inclusive? Absolutely. Should they include, you know, people that are not necessarily CEOs so that you get a more inclusive group? Absolutely. These are like obvious things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if you have that, you have like a mechanism now to like actually support people. And then you have a mechanism to teach people. And then separately, like when you find like these like small edge cases, it's just so easy to let it go, the way that somebody says something, the way that somebody does something. And we all do it. Right. And the question is, can we all now become a little bit more empathetic and say, you know what, we're all going to find ourselves where against something or somebody or some group of people, we all have and carry right. a latent bias. Absolutely. Will somebody else thoughtfully and say, hey, listen, just FYI, blah, 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 And then you learn. And then in the same way, you repay that favor in a way that's non-threatening.
0: Right. But what's interesting is they they become real hot-button issues. Like, look what's happening at Google with James Damore. And, you know, who keeps saying one appalling thing after the next every time he's interviewed?
1: So you you can tell me if this is true. And, I I mean, I'm not completely up to speed on this. Mm -hmm. I didn't read it. But my understanding is that he was part of a group where Google actually asked him to write this thing. Is that true? No. Okay.
0: Not that I understand.
1: You know, this reminds me— No, um,
0: because Google's been one of these places where people just get to say what they want all the time. I mean, I've been in well, meetings where they discuss Sergey's shirt and, well, and I mean, insulted. It. So, it, you know, I've been in those early.
1: This reminds me of when at Facebook I took four months off and I wrote my unified theory of— uh, of relativity and uh, no one read it. <laughs> actually, <laughs> sorry, fun. that didn't happen because I was fucking working. <laughs> so, you know, part of this is like, what? what I mean, like, if I want to understand the
0: views of like social Here's psychology. Your memo, I mean, You're like, a walking memo. I mean, Jesus Christ, like, I'm working. I know. I get it. I know. Uh, uh, <sighs> no, but they have like nine places for people to do this stuff. Yeah, it's uh, nuts. They do. They just it's get, pretty it's, nutty. They get to say whatever they want at any time they want. And now they're used to it. And when you actually say, oh, by the way, you can be fired for some of it. Yeah, they I I'm real been, even,
1: mad. To be honest, like I have less of an issue with you saying it. It's just kind of like, like where's the operational control so that you can just bumble around for months working on some random memo? Like, right. Like, right. aren't you supposed to be hard to be an engineer and yeah. code? Yeah.
0: Well, the yeah. fucking code. yeah. Yeah. They, well, they don't think of jobs as jobs, do they? I mean, jobs I do. are on the side. That's. Jo-
1: Listen, you know how many people would want that job?
0: Yep. No, I get it. To code, I get it. Code. Yeah. Then code. Yeah.
1: And then write it on your spare time.
0: Yeah. I guess it's fairly, it's really, it's very interesting, but how many people came to his defense about that was interesting. And I was sort of like, you, you can say that on the corner of, on Charleston Road, but not right inside of Google. It was interesting. It was an interesting thing how much support he did have until he went sort of alt-right and then, then,
1: then it went off the rails. Yeah, he, he, I think all these people should ever, we should all be doing our
0: jobs. Shut up. Right. Yeah. Just fucking get back to
1: work. <laughs> I mean, I just have no tolerance for
0: this guy. Yeah. They fired him. That's all. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so what, what, what is that is that like a product of sort of excess in Silicon Valley now? Is that these they get to do whatever they want? They're not doing their.
1: You know, I, I've always equated sort of what I call alignment mm-hmm. to like a tree, right? Alignment in a company is like is like rings of a tree. So if you if you cut down a huge redwood, what you notice is there's like you know many thousands of rings, and that that very much sort of like embodies how a company works, which is we're at the center. You have the founders and the core sort of like 100 mm-hmm. or 200 zealots, mm-hmm. and they are 100% aligned, right? And when you think about like, you know, that original group at Google, what a master class of technical, yeah. just, I mean, yeah, absolutely. unbelievable. right? Facebook, same situation. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. They're still color. together
0: there too, which a lot of yeah. them are. Yeah.
1: But then as you hire more and more people, you basically have less and less aligned people. Mm-hmm. And then that thousandth ring, which is your seventy-fifth thousandth employee, mm-hmm. they're at best 10% or 20% aligned. Mm-hmm. And what that speaks to is the fact that you just have really a very difficult way of having operational control over values and culture at scale. Mm-hmm. That's really what it speaks to, and so you know you start things. For example, like the twenty percent time was probably for like George Harik, who, if anybody mm-hmm. knows, is an yes, absolute genius. He's fantastic. Genius. He yeah. is he's a superstar of where superstars. Did he go! It probably was like where George was like, you know, one day a week I'm going to code this other thing that also changed mm-hmm. the world for Google. Right, but. By the seventy-five thousand employee, twenty yeah. percent time is kind of like, oh, you know, I'm going to write memos and you know, I'm going to build. You know, I mean, so yeah. so so I, so I think there's a decay yeah. that just naturally happens in organizations, and it just takes a very special kind of discipline and focus to want to fix it. Right. Um, and I think that's what it really speaks to in the valley, which is that. Um, at the end of the day, once these businesses become commercial enterprises, they're like every other business. Right, And they, right. they effectively do decay, which is what causes them to eventually be
0: decayed. Sure. But when you're talking about what you're trying to sort of disrupt – I don't want to use the term disrupt the venture, just to change the venture industry, how do you then disrupt this culture? Because, you know, it seems that a lot of this stuff is happening because they don't have anything else to do. Like, it's just like um, go I'll to lunch and harass a woman, like, essentially. Know.
1: Well, one of the things that we really believe strongly in is sort of the power of entrepreneurs outside of Silicon Valley. So everything that happens here is is, is magical, and it's it's you're you're we're all lucky to kind of be a part of it. But the reality is the people that are not here tend to be dramatically more earnest and open-minded mm-hmm. uh, than the people that are here. Because after some number of years of being in, you know, being grist in this mill, mm-hmm. you become jaded. Yeah, you, you know, live in Westeros. Yeah, exactly. Every startup looks capital. great. I've heard of every mission statement possible. Mm-hmm. You become fatigued, mm-hmm. right? And you become a little cynical. Um, and so one of the things we do is we try to go outside because you can find all these really interesting people. And if you can celebrate them— and, you know, they'll, they'll, there's, like, ways in which I think we can do that, which will be really interesting at some point to talk to you about. But, yeah. like, that's, like, some special stuff that I think we You brought
0: in. Explain who you brought in, Mark. and uh, and
1: And then separately, what we do is internally within our organization, we really try to gut check who's at the table. Right. And so what does that mean? Like, for us, we love operators. Mm-hmm. We love folks that have kind of been in the grind doing stuff. We also love folks who have warts who have gone through, like, you know, they have lashes on their backs. It didn't all work, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so you learn things from them. They have a certain kind of humility about them. That's really helpful. And then they're more open-minded about the types of people that they're willing to coach and mentor. And then you have a different class of young people that you can bring in and bring into the organization. Um, You know, we just hired this, we just had this amazing data scientist. Her name is Kelly Zhang. And, uh, she was at Stanford and she was graduating and, you know, she kind of had her pick of jobs and she was going to go back and do a lot of nonprofit work in Africa. And she had done some amazing work and she's a data scientist, like a star. Um, and we were able to convince her, like, hey, give us a shot. And, you know, what we'll be able to do is you'll be able to come and, again, help build this knowledge base that helps all kinds of entrepreneurs, including right. these entrepreneurs in Africa. But in order for her to be successful here, we had to onboard her in the right way. We had to give her the right mentor. We had to give her the right visibility. Right. That's tough you know, to it's do. keeping people—it's
0: really—it's not bringing them in; it's keeping it's them. It's tough to do, and right.
1: and I have found that having other operators who have gone through this process empathize with that struggle, and then they take more care, um, and they're willing to make sacrifices, so that at the edges, you know, like me, Tony, Tony Mark, Bates, Tony Bates, Mark Misvinsky, you know, Mike Gafari, Arjun Sethi. If we had to make sacrifices in compensation to bring somebody in, I think we all would have one would do it instantly. Mm-hmm. And I just think like that's like, just to know that. It's not, we're never going to have to do it, but to know it like it's like, okay, what else will they do that I can count the, count on them to do? One of them is mentorship and guidance. And, and so we as an organization are actually like pretty cool. Like we're mm-hmm. good people. Right. Um,
0: if you do say so yourself.
1: I, th- I think we really are. And, and also like, you know, we check ourselves. like. Right. Like when shit goes south or there's behaviors that we don't like, we get together, we talk about it, and we fix it. Um, And that's also hard. Mm -hmm. You know, we do these all hands, and it's just like they're complicated because we get into these deeply nuanced decisions. You know, and like, for example, like our decisions are really important because the knock on effects are huge. Oh, well, here's this great business, and we decided that actually it went from great to not so great, and we had tried our best and we couldn't support them. And, you know, what do we do in these situations? These are complex things, and we have to explain to our team why. Right, mm-hmm. The why of how you make these decisions is critical. Mm-hmm. So there's all these things that go into building a good organization. We do it, We tr- well, we try to do the best we can internally and then separately. So wh- we try to go outside of Silicon Valley to find these entrepreneurs we can celebrate. Extra
0: so long. why isn't that happening in Silicon Valley? Because it does feel like there's a danger of sort of the, ta- the snake eating its tail at this point.
1: I think it's, like I said, it's easier if you are five, six, seven, eight, nine guys sitting around a table making millions of dollars a year to not fuck with what's working. Right. And really like think about it in the following way, Carol. Like if you know, if you're an ad salesperson back in like the you know, early two thousands, you could probably see that your ad sales job was probably going to get impacted by Google and then ultimately mm-hmm. Facebook, et cetera. Like let's just say you were selling yellow pages. But the way you make your decision about your career is like the following, I suspect, which is well, listen, you know, my kids are in sort of like grade eight, grade nine. You know, I got five or six more years. I still think the industry is going to be reasonable by then. You know, I'll get to where I need to be. And I don't really have to contemplate you know, a career change. And I can kind of like live the lifestyle I want for the rest of my life, pay for my kids to go to college. There's like all these other things that come into decision making. A version of that, although a much higher class problem, exists among these VCs, which is why they just don't need to. Mm-hmm. They're going to bide their time. And then they're going to get—they're going to die. Like they're, they're just th- their firms will blow up. Yeah, I think that
0: about that like Hollywood a lot. Like, why aren't Hollywood changing? Because th- because their career so isn't good. is so Hollywood
1: is a perfect example. Right? Yeah. You had a bunch of people unbelievably ego driven, ego ridden, ego filled, right? Power brokers, power mongers, you know, betrayers, cajolers, like all of these people sitting on top of what really wasn't a huge industry. It's kind right. of a meh industry. <laughs> Um, but it was, <laughs> but it had like a lot of social capital, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, to be a producer like meant yeah. something. And then here you have this company of like a few hundred people, now a few thousand people, who are like, yeah, I'm just going to charge eight bucks a month, and I'm just going to completely fucking blow it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it happens, it happens fast. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're the version of the eight dollars a month, right? This is Netflix. Uh, you know I mean? yeah, yeah, Netflix. We're talking right. About. Yeah. Um, and so I
0: remember when I kept saying, it, but over here, and then I realized they liked wearing their suits and their cars <sighs> and their. And they just liked it and they weren't going the to change Parking spots gonna, with their names just on it. Tap out. Yeah. Like, and I realized, oh my God, they are. They have like eight years left. They probably will just, they, there's no reason for them to change. You know, ego is a,
1: kind of, a very powerful thing, right? That's because always- it can empower you to do things. But ego is a very corrosive thing, mm-hmm. which is that it can, it, it can entrench you in a set of decisions that fundamentally are about outsiders' perceptions of you. Versus your true north internalization, right? Of or if what's you really want to
0: do much, or maybe you're just lazy. All right, we're here with Chamath, of so- CEO of Social Capital. We're talking about all kinds of things. When we get back, we're going to talk about all the companies. We're going to dish on all the companies. You ready to go? Yum. Yum. Okay. Today's show is brought to you by Amazon Web Services. Developers love Docker containers because they give applications portability and consistency all the way from your laptop into production. Amazon EC2 Container Service from Amazon Web Services makes it easy to run Docker apps in the cloud. Deploying, operating, and scaling your infrastructure happens automatically with Amazon EC2 Container Service. Best of all, you only pay for the AWS compute and storage resources you use. With Amazon EC2 Container Service, you can focus on building apps, not managing your container infrastructure. Learn more at ecs.aws. I also want to tell you about Too Embarrassed to Ask, my other podcast, which I host with Lauren Good from The Verge. That's me. Hello. Hello there. Every Friday, we answer your questions about consumer tech. Lauren, we talked about something very important this week.
3: Uh, We talked about online content moderation and freedom of speech on the internet with the CEO of Cloudflare, Matthew Prince, and the executive director of EFF, Cindy Cohen. And they happen to be right here. So um, let's hear it from their own mouths.
0: We talked about the responsibility of tech companies to think about when they take speech down and when they let it go up and Matthew.
3: How important do processes, especially if you're running infrastructure that brings you the internet?
0: All right, you internet people, you need to pay attention because you got great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. It was a great discussion. We'll hope you'll go listen to it. You can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcast. That's too embarrassed to ask, see you there. We're here with the Chamath the CEO of Social Capital. So we've been talking about a lot of different things, how venture is going to change and and people's behaviors. But let's go through some companies. All oh, right. right. Because you like that. You yeah. love that. Yeah. Last time we focused on Twitter. Let's just quick. Twitter, what is going on there?
1: It's unfortunately now past a point of interest. And what I mean by that is... Um,
0: Never been more relevant, though. Everyone's using it. Everyone, Charlottesville uh, communicated on Twitter. The president uses it all the time
1: its biggest problem right now is the decay in human capital that's happening within that organization mm-hmm. um, and there are just too many other interesting good companies that one can go work at if you are a very credible talented contributor at Twitter and the problem is in the absence of them completely kind of like you know figuring out their true northern star metric and mm-hmm. like the next version of product market fit it's a thing that just kind of like stagnates and just kind of decays from so, the product and engineering talent and then eventually that seeps into the quality of the business
0: right so what happens
1: it does not make sense with respect to how you could do either a uh, take private or a hostel uh, yet. I think like the stock price needs to get to sort of like the 11 to $12-ish range. To go private. And I think you need to have one or two of the existing large shareholders. So what that really means is an institutional and or Steve Ballmer basically decide that he can they want to participate in a strategy to fix it. Is it fixable? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Would it be a fun thing to do? Absolutely. Would mm-hmm. it be valuable for the world? Absolutely. Could you make a lot of money? Absolutely. But I think it requires like day to day full time leadership and a vision. And it's that probably best, in my opinion, comes from the outside in at this point. So, so
0: private, most people think. You have to
1: take it private, I think, to clean yeah. it up.
0: Yeah, I yeah. think so. But never more relevant, fascinatingly.
1: Yeah. In, in terms of like information consumption, I think it's great. I just think, like from a product perspective, it is now one generation behind the times. Absolutely. Like, I mean, at least. You know, this summer, I really started to get into stories for the first time, mm-hmm. mostly because of well, Instagram brilliantly merchandised it to me. And then I would switch back and forth between it and Snap just to kind of really figure out the use case. And what I realized is like, it's just completely changing information consumption. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that Twitter has to be very careful of is all of those users are also probably Twitter users. And it's not... That complicated for you to have one or two turns of the dial. And I think Discover on Snapchat shows you what that looks like, where a more visually interactive, snackable form of Twitter becomes the way. They tried. They were first
0: out the gate with theirs. I think Moments was just like not. Yeah, but it was the right directionally. It was correct. No, because it was too curated. Too curated. Yeah. So it should have been more like. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. All right, Snap. Seeing some troubles in their IPO. So here's
1: here's where I think Snap really, uh, it got bamboozled, I think, by the IPO bankers into a really fakakta IPO process.
0: I love bamboozled and fakakta in one sentence. Thank you. Okay.
1: Thank you. And the reason is because, you know, like what Morgan Stanley did, in my opinion, is unconscionable, which is like, you know, when you spend weeks with the management team and then you come out, right, you generate a model and you put a price target and then you take them out public you had the most access to that company than anybody in the world mm-hmm. and you put a price target on it 28 29 bucks a share and then they miss earnings by 4 million dollars and then you're like we made a mistake and then the price target is 16 and then it trades another 15 to 20% beneath that price and now i think you know so so that to me is just like i just like i can't they knew i, I, I I just I just I feel bad for the company so where otherwise what they should be left to be doing because whatever you say about that company they have created
0: innovation for sure an
1: unbelievable awareness and understanding Mm -hmm. of how to consume information right and they're going to continue to push that now whether that means that they'll never you know really get a moat because Facebook copies it that's less of my concern my concern more is like how does it tax the creativity of those people? Right. Can they come up with a that hit They after have hit. to deal with this kind of distraction. Right. So I think the biggest takeaway to me from Snap is that the fundamental process of getting public just needs to be completely fixed because it is corrupted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with you on that. But
1: I think it's a really interesting business that has some great assets. Mm-hmm. And you know, I would love to get into the bowels of that company and really figure out how to make it grow. I think we could do some pretty cool things. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never met Evan, so I can't even have say mm-hmm. I, I've had the conversation. But can
0: they, can they fight off the Facebook yeah. moat? I mean, if, we help, if we help them, that we could easily. Yeah, <laughs> Chamath is offering your services, Evan. But you feel like that—that's what'll happen, or what? Now that they're sort of stuck in this position of being public and having to be distracted by that part.
1: So I think, I think the whole equity story now is a distraction that they have to overcome. Meanwhile, they have to land the next great product iteration.
0: Yeah, but how many hits uh, can you have, right?
1: I mean, they've proven pretty resilient. Yeah, they are. They really um, are. And he seems, at least on the outside in, a pretty thoughtful, creative person. Mm-hmm. My, my only hope for them is, A, they get more quantitative and data-driven because I think it can help at the edges, and then, B, that they can figure out a narrative so that the – the public equity part of their story kind of
0: doesn't, doesn't distract, distract them from being Doesn't get them into a creative. Twitter position, yeah. yeah. They are, you know, away from the data, I think there is an element of creativity. You're talking with Beyonce. There's a creativity that is deep within that company, it seems like it.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen. What, what that I you, tell you can't is do
0: a data thing about. Same. Um, well, yeah. you can and you can't. You're right. I see. You. I know what you mean.
1: I mean, like, look, we. You know, I'll, I'll tell you some stories that that are kind of crazy, but like some of the most creative people in the world. Literally, I'm not going to say who he is, but mm-hmm. he is an unbelievably well-known comedian who has landed some of the most interesting content of the last 10 years. A B tests everything. Everything. And this is a person who does it manually. He mm-hmm. manually A B tests five to 10,000 jokes and skits. And not just the jokes themselves, the timing, how, how he lands it. And when you see it up close, you think that this guy just woke up woke and was up just, and just funny.
0: Font of creativity.
1: Font. And they are creative because to come up with the 10,000 scenarios takes true mm-hmm. creativity. But to really understand the psychological reaction of a consumer mm-hmm. to it, that is what you test. Right. It's like Apple can create a beautiful watch, but to realize that the thing shuffles mm-hmm. around on your wrist and to adjust for the yaw mm-hmm. is quantitative.
0: Right. Absolutely. No, you're right. Quantitative. All right. So go- going from Snap, Facebook, your old stomping um, grounds.
1: Just unstoppable. I mean, I think the, th- the, thing for, the thing that Facebook and Google will both have to contend with is regulatory headwinds, specifically starting in Europe. Yep. At the end of the day, what I both agree. of those two companies are. Amazon too. Less so. And and I can tell you why. All right. Facebook and Google, more than anything else now, are a psychological map of humanity. Your behaviors, your patterns, what you do, what you say, where you go. And to have that amount of knowledge that can be learned on, concentrated in two for-profit companies, can be, in the eyes of governments, extremely scary. And so at scale, this becomes a huge issue as people realize the actual scope and scale of their ability to predict your behavior. Um, So I'll just leave it at that. But I've thought really deeply about this issue, and that is the— Government. It's government intervention for both of those two businesses, starting in Europe.
0: Starting in Europe and moving here somewhere. It
1: it moves from there quite quickly. Right. Um, Amazon is different because their fundamental market— is dramatically more TAM unconstrained than Facebook and Google. Like mm-hmm. the thing with Facebook and Google ultimately is Facebook is basically about consumption and advertising, and Google is about intent and advertising. Those are two are bounded markets that are in the mid hundreds of billions. Big markets, okay. Amazon at scale is fundamentally about consumption, which is effectively GDP. Everything. And hmm. that's really you're talking global GDP is what, 80 trillion? Amazon is a hundred billion. It's literally a drop in the bucket. It's an irrelevant company in that context. Mm-hmm. Whereas Google and Facebook are more than fifty to sixty percent of their market.
0: I'm thinking more. You know, I always think and we'll talk about Trump in a second, Donald Trump has a lizard brain of understanding where things are going and he's attacking Amazon for the wrong reasons. I think you'll see a lot more attacks on them because of job loss around mm. retail, replacing companies. I think there'll be a lot of attacks by their competitors. That are more. Then it's even
1: more incumbent on Amazon to figure out how they add capital also as a service to their offerings. Right. Because. If they can then also say on the other side of We're helping create jobs. the degradation of retail, they're exactly they're right. a font for entrepreneurship. They've solved no, the No I
0: know. They're gonna you're gonna have to see a warm fuzzy Jeff Bezos over there. They're next gonna have to years. be very
1: creative. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I, but it's just I just think that the I think they're easy to attack. But they're easy to attack. attack. Exactly. That's but the I mean.
1: the regulatory headwinds, structural headwinds to them.
0: No, but they're easy to attack and they get mired in that for the longest time. Like again, I always feel Donald Trump really does have a sense of how you could make that narrative around Amazon. Ruining Main Street, he now try, ruining you mean, Walmart, yeah. now ruining— He's trying. Yeah, I he's know, trying. but it's he's he's aiming at the the Washington the, Post, yeah, exactly. which is not the point. Which is not the point. Yeah, yeah. the the death of retail jobs is really—like, that's, you know, Amazon. Most people feel like he's just like—
1: It is just, you know, look. Like, I mean, like, I, I took a lot of flack. It I, uh, There was a lot of emotional sturm and drag amongst my coworkers at Facebook, and because I, I tweeted it out, and I probably shouldn't have done it. But, you know, in, I think it was in 2013 or 14, I— basically moved most of my equity holdings in Facebook into Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I did it mostly because I felt too emotionally linked to Facebook. I mm-hmm. felt I could not make good decisions. Right. But also when I looked across the landscape, and I spent almost a year and a half, two years, trying to figure out where I, what I could own, it to me is just the most unbelievably profoundly interesting company in terms of the scope of data, what they're learning, um, and their ability f- to fulfill it. And to do it, again, and... I mean, you you bring up very good points, but I still think fundamentally where they will get massive more runway. They'll be much, much bigger before they get the level of scrutiny that Facebook and Google will. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm just a huge bull on the company. I'm also a huge bull on the culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, all I have is my perception of what it's like on the outside in but it seems to be a place that is willing to fail because failing equals learning. Mm-hmm. And I really respect
0: that. Phone, remember the phone?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. And like, then he came out with Alexa. We talk about that all the time. Our job is to learn, yeah. but you know what? That's like kind of like, like it's like, meh. What is it like? <laughs> it's like, hey, it failed, it fucking sucks. I suck, I want to quit. And it's like, no, 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 no. you learned. And it's like, now shut up, we failed. I mean, it's hard yeah. to really it's live it out.
0: recovered from its phone, yeah. which you were involved in, right? Yeah. Amazon went right on and did Alexa. Right? Why didn't Google and Apple do that? I mean, really?
1: I mean, I've said this before, but like that was a period, okay, of, of again, now, now I'm saying the counterfactual of what I said. For me, of personal creativity that I was the most proud of, the, the ideas that I was kind of cooking up, most of them were just utterly cockamamie, mm-hmm. but it was a great time.
0: Yeah. I, I, wish, I wish Facebook had a phone. I think that would yeah. really have been great. Yeah. So, what, what are the products all uh, those companies should focus in on? Um, AR, VR? They're in VR, but I think I I think Apple's going to move head on into AR.
1: Um, I I actually think like the manifestations, the things that they're going to do around machine learning are probably much more profound and and important than any of that stuff. Right. I mean, that stuff is kind of like interesting. It's kind of cute. They'll
0: Um, also be able to help other businesses if they do that
1: in a way that I think we materially misunderstand right now. No, I
0: think that's exactly what they're going to do. Take it and AWS it.
1: And, and, and like again, like you're, you're changing like deterministic software, right? Like if this, then that. You know, mm-hmm. do this while this happens. Perform this thing, and you're replacing it with ah, it could be this,
0: ah, it could be that. Kind ah, <laughs> of do this. Ah, probably it's there this. There's a
1: lot more end. You know,
0: the ad. And I mean, when I say it become as, an old Jewish man. This is. Like, <laughs> I've
1: like, always been that. I feel that. Yeah, it, just
0: come, it just comes. It just comes in a, mei, yeah. Yeah. my, my <laughs> colon is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Speaking of Colin's killing me, Uber. Come on, Chema. What the hell? Are you the new CEO?
1: You know, I... That would be fun. I think there would be... There isn't just... There is an obvious person who should be CEO of that company. Mm-hmm. She's not going to take it. She said she doesn't want it. That's okay.
0: Who's that? I
1: mean, I think we can guess. who. Cheryl! Uh, I, I didn't say it. I think she would She's not going to do it. I think, Sometimes do she it. trolls
0: me. She's like, I've just taken the job of Uber's. You know, just <laughs> <a>
1: troll. <laughs> I think she would just be such a slam dunk blockbuster. You know, why she would does, she do that? She why would you
0: waste your beautiful reputation on that?
1: Because it's a really important company.
0: Yeah, she does. I don't, yeah. She could work um, anywhere she wants. She, she could sit could. there and make triple no, right. the money. Yeah. I just, mm-hmm. but,
1: but I think from an impact perspective, I think Uber can be really credible. Like if you think that whoever becomes a CEO will immediately become the largest employer in the United States. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's Mm -hmm. a big statement. Second thing is that they become an enabler of GDP and commerce and vitality for lower and middle income people than anything else the government could ever do. Wow, that's an amazing thing. And the third is you save lives and you can really create something special um, in a world where, you know, um, autonomy I haven't
0: thought about it like that. That's actually true. Like
1: those three things, those to me are like, those are pillar, those are presidential. So who pillars.
0: should be the CEO? Of well, I mean, I think. I think Besides the, Cheryl, she's not the, doing it.
1: You know, the current course in speed, I guess, is, is Jeff Immelt. And, and um, you know, I, I don't know him from a hole in the ground, so I have no idea. Um, I would want someone that was dynamic and entrepreneurial. And the reason is because this company's best days are not yet at hand. And I think that it needs a combination of a steady hand, but, but like, real, like, stewardship and creativity. So
0: why not Travis 2.0? That's what he talks about.
1: You know, I think the history will always ask the question, should he have cured? What we don't know, Kara, though, mm-hmm. is what was in the report and what really went down. Mm-hmm. I mean, by the way, that's a little shocking thing where I've just thought, I just thought that hold, hold a report, you'd, it would be in your hands.
0: I'm I'll, waiting. Listen, they're I mean, holding on to that. I'm, I'm trying. I'll get it. You know I'll get it. it.
1: I mean— it must be bad, just really bad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've look, had parts of it. And, and look, me. let me just defend the, the partners of Benchmark. I know them all. Mm-hmm. You know, I've worked with one. I'm very close to another. These are good people. They are right. not there to like get in the muck and mire of this. Mm-hmm. So clearly, there's just an entire story that none of us know. Mm-hmm. And it's I agree. Going, it's that's going what to, I wrote
0: about the last week. There's yeah. just, there's the real story that something is and, not. And eventually, it will get parts out. Parts of it have gotten out through us and others.
1: But it, I mean, and it, but I think it all kind of all roads lead back to that holder report. Is mm. my suspicion?
0: What did you think about uh, the lawsuit? A lot of people are slapping benchmark for that for doing that. I, I, and I keep thinking, what must they have seen that they? That, what I'm saying. Had I, to do it. This is what I'm saying. This they is, don't. They wouldn't do it on their own if you know them at all. Why? You know. I know they're not. They're jumpy not, like that. They're like, not. And, yeah.
1: and they're and they're kind of like in it for the long term. Yeah. And, you know, and they're great. Uh, with the companies that they work with, and they're you know unbelievably supportive, and they tend to be quite relentless. Yeah, and, and they've managed to make Travis look like a victim, which of, is something fresh. Yeah, of the of like that whole generation of VCs, like to me, they're the ones that I frankly respect the most. I think yeah. they're the most credible. So it is beyond shocking that it happened, which means that it must be really bad.
0: Right. So, what, do you think they're going to be affected by having done the lawsuit? Yeah. And they still did it that's to me yeah like what happened
1: well then, then then you get into the game theory of like does it really matter because if you really land uber and make it successful and it's a you know 100 billion dollar company and, and then you do the carry waterfall and you do all the profit distributions and then you think about snap and you think about WeWork, it may not matter what happens after this anyways mm-hmm. economically
0: they'll do okay Th- beyond yeah. beyond
1: okay yeah so that may not be what it's about it's really then the question of like what do the ultimate what is the ultimate impact of deal flow, and that really just depends on the, the the founder psyche. Right. Does the incremental founder think that he or she will be more or less protected, or they will be more or less supportive, or do they believe, oh, that's the kind of objective stuff that I would want? Right. It's very much. 2BD. Or I'm as bad
0: as Travis. <laughs> or am I as bad as whatever team, whatever happened there?
1: I think that you know the the propensity will be again, if you get counselled by uh, angel investors and otherwise, is you know find the most benign supporter who will basically let you have run of the place mm-hmm. i think the right answer is actually you want to have some intellectual tension not moral and ethical mm-hmm. but intellectual tension that right. probably creates the best outcomes right for this thing. so then the question is like you know if they believe that they can still get the right intellectual tension and in benchmark but you can be aligned then it won't hurt the. Won't hurt them. but if enough folks are whispering in young people's minds or ears rather hey listen there are easier ways to skin the cat here then right. it will have a long term effect. They
0: people are definitely and trying to them. By the way, them.
1: they're smart and so they pro- they probably went through that risk calculus. Yeah. And again, the fact that they still did it should mean that w- and and, pro- and thank god these guys are I guess from their both sides going into arbitration. So mm-hmm. you'll never we'll never find out unless it gets leaked to you mm-hmm. and then you write it I'm and, then trying. Read, and then I'll read it. Yeah. Uh, but man, that's just like, I'll get my
0: hands on it. Oh, I know. I want it's it's juicy. Like, what it's they they I It's delicious. What's going on people? <laughs> Somebody leak this thing to Karen. <laughs>
1: You get it. You send it right to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to get it. Nobody, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I was like thinking of sneaking over to Ariana's house, pretending I'm bringing cookies, and then wandering through and look through oh things. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know it's sitting right there on the nightstand. Oh,
1: my God. How funny would that be?
2: You know, it's like, where is it? It's just
1: right
0: on her bed.
2: <laughs> it's got a
1: bunch of, like, Somewhere. it's dog tagged, dog tagged and dog marked. yeah does take and yeah. Highlighted. And oh, my gosh. Like, uh, if it were that easy? I know. Wouldn't uh, that be good? Wouldn't uh, that be good?
0: I, I think of every way I can get my oh hands on gosh. it, and I just, it's, I'd love to see it. I'm just, I have no idea why they did this, why they did the lawsuit. I,
1: I mean,
2: I'm,
0: I'm. But could there be Travis 2.0 coming back there? Yeah, Absolutely. How so? What do you do to make him?
1: Uh, look, I mean, like, I think what you cannot take away from him is brilliant. just how good he is brilliant. and how dogged he is. Right. Now, I don't know if he's brilliant or not, but uh, definitely how dogged. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the, the real thing is, like, if he can refactor the parts that, like, kind of direct that towards all the negative stuff and instead replaces it with a more constructive kind of, like, you know, uh, way of behaving— why not? I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, he. Uh, there is clearly an institutional knowledge that he has, which is fundamentally unique. And then also the ability to lead those people is just right. unique when you right. are the iconic founder. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, that should be what happens. But um, I saw this tweeted, you know, Jeff Immelt equals Scully 2.0. I saw that tweet oh, yes. on Twitter. Oh, and yeah. I thought, oh, that's a really interesting analog. Hopefully that's not how it plays out because I think you would want Uber to do well.
0: True, but I don't think Jobs be ha- had this much bad management under his... Oh, no,
1: I, th- I think it was more about commenting about... Yes, I get what they're doing. Was,
0: I get doing yeah, it, but Steve Jobs didn't preside over so much bad management true. all over the place. I mean, brilliance aside and all these great instincts, there's like a list of other there's things. There's something Machiavellian there, yeah. Well, and also ba- just bad management. How did it get to that level of yeah. toxicity? And not just gender, just everything. Like, there's so much toxicity everywhere, so... Yeah. So someone's ignoring something and needs yeah. help, needs help in that right. But I see what you mean because Silicon Valley is all about redeeming, right? That's isn't what Ari and I, we always argue. She's like, Cara, you are New Testament, Old Testament. I am New Testament. I'm like, yeah, I'm Old Testament. Well,
1: you know, in, in, in fairness right. to you, actually, there isn't a lot of redemption stories in the Valley.
0: There aren't. Just, just got it's jobs. not true. Just they always jobs. live for the jobs one. Just jobs. It's just jobs. Just Everyone jobs. else, gone. They're
1: gone because, you know, honestly, gone. like, it's like at some point they realize, oh, my God, I hit the jackpot. I got unbelievably lucky. Yeah. Uh, and when they really internalize that, they're mm-hmm. like, I'm fucking out of here. Yeah.
0: Take the money and run. Or else they're just drummed out. They get dr- People get drummed out and people forget that but because they, they love that jobs thing. And I'm always like, you're not jobs. That too. You know, there's only one. There can be only one like Highlander. All right. Last question, Chamath. What is the most... Ridiculous thing right now it's driving you crazy. Lots of things drive you crazy um, overhyped, just like are you kidding me?
1: No, to be honest with you, i think I think it's like what i'm what I, what is really driving me crazy right now is we have not done a good job of divorcing ourselves from the bullshit in Silicon Valley, and there's all layers of bullshit, you know. Like we talked about some earlier, like, oh, I just came up with this thing. It was divine intervention. That's a crock of horseshit. Mm-hmm. Oh, I knew this entrepreneur from day one. That's a crock of horseshit. Oh, I knew this thing would work and that thing would fail. That's a crock of horseshit. So there's just layers and, oh, I found this thing. I mean, there's, so there's layers and layers of this stuff. And the problem that it creates, I think, is that it just it doesn't make it a fun place to be after mm-hmm. a while because everybody in dealing with it they all yeah. are like wait a minute you're bullshitting you're bullshitting you're bullshitting they all become incrementally more mercenary mm-hmm. and then when that happens because right because you have to put up a shield mm-hmm. right you're less empathetic you're less connected to the people around you and then you you just like you're it's just it's just not great yeah. yeah um so to me like what 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 is driving me crazy is that i would like to... For this to be like what it was, and now it like sound like some nostalgia. Okay, I'm back to the 70-year-old. That's right. Yeah, uh. Like what it was like, like, you know, that first bubble, there was a kind of communal sense that there we were was. all trying, mm-hmm. you know, and we were all grinding. And when somebody would win, we would be like, wow, that's great. Now I feel it's more zero-sum. Oh, if you're winning, I'm losing. Mm-hmm. Your equity that you're getting, oh, it's taking away from my equity right. that I should be getting. Right. And so... Um, that frustrates me.
0: I do think it'll change because I think the world is crashing in on Silicon Valley in a way that never had not just the culture wars, but everything like the, the immigration stuff, the real stuff. And you have a government that's spinning out of control, and like you out said, out of control in real time. Someone yeah. has to take responsibility for it and stop being in your little so that's self-absorbed. A, so this bubble. is why,
1: if we could end by basically yeah. going back to the beginning, like peace and prosperity comes from a combination of great governance and great. Capitalism, democracy, and capitalism. And in a world where we see what's happening on the governance side, we have to take sort of things into our own hands and just build the things we need. But in order to do that, people shouldn't be job hopping every two years. People should take bets on folks. People should trust folks that they're well intentioned. People should try to learn from their past mistakes. All of these things can be more systematic. And if you do that, then you got a chance. And so that's what. That's what I would hope for, um, because I think we need it more than ever. And there are folks that will put a lot of our own money behind trying to make it so. And then along the way, it's going to roil a bunch of people and piss a lot of people off, but it's the right thing to do.
0: And how should Silicon Valley react to Trump? I mean, they've been sort of milk toasty to me. Some of them have been more outspoken than others.
1: I think we again, this is to me, it goes back to the James Damore thing. We can be tweeting and we can be writing, or we can be building. We are builders. And when we build things that need to get built, we tend to do the right things, and there's so much more progress. And so I just think that like, whatever you're kind of like, what you believe about him, it's fine to do it in your spare time. I get a lot of like, it's popcorn material reading Twitter. I mean, it's mm-hmm. great, but at the end of the day, Kara, I'm like Monday morning. I'm there to grind and to build, mm-hmm. and to help others. Although you can't grind divorce yourself
0: build. from the impact you have. Like self-driving cars it's going to affect jobs. That's going to push populism more. You know what I mean? It does.
1: If it's not properly allocated. This is what I mean by like conventional capitalism Mm -hmm. will exacerbate these issues. Right. A modern form of compassionate or like ethical capitalism will do it in a very different way. But in order to do it, you have to first get these businesses to success. Right. And then have the partnership with an entrepreneur where they respect you for having helped them, where you can have this conversation. Okay, how do we allocate Mm -hmm. autonomous cars? Right. How are these markets built? Mm -hmm. Is it sort of like this zero-sum game where we take everything to zero and only you win? Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways where you can construct markets, but Mm -hmm. those nuances we don't have time for because he or she doesn't have a partner. Mm -hmm. So the first step is get these companies to actually win, and then the second is because you have that social and political capital to basically cash it in and then have those discussions. Mm -hmm. That is what we need to
0: do. Yes. I think you should run for office. No. But you love Beyonce, right?
1: She's really impressive. I really? have a lot of respect Maybe she
0: for her. could run Uber.
1: Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say president. I'd vote for her, too. <laughs> Oprah. Oprah would be amazing. I'd vote for Oprah. Would you vote for Oprah? I'd vote for Oprah. I don't think she's running. She's pretty... What
0: about she, Cheryl? Cheryl, maybe will get She's her. badass. I'd
1: vote for her. Yeah. I'd vote for Oprah. Mm-hmm. I'd vote for... Uh, you know, I, I was I was going to say somebody that has. I'm not going to say. It. I, was,
3: okay. <laughs> I almost <right>. leaked somebody's name. <laughs> okay. oh, right, I'm going to take okay. it back. All right, uh, okay, take it back. We didn't uh-huh. hear it.
0: All right, Chamath, as usual, this is great. Thank you for coming back Thanks, onto Karen. the show. You're a little nicer now. It's nice. I like it. I turned 40. Did you? Yeah. What did you do for your 40th birthday?
1: Uh, to be honest with you, I yes. Got, no, I got, lie to me, please. I got sleeved.
0: What? <laughs> what?
2: What?
1: <laughs> I hired this Japanese tattoo artist. Who had a huge <gasps> backlog, and I got sleeved. That's really? Great. That's great.
0: You're going to show it to me later, right? I do, yeah. What's on there? It's
1: basically like symbols of myself, my children, my wife, wow. my religion, Buddhism.
0: Sleeved. You're going to get the half other sleeve? sleeve? No, half just half s-
1: sleeve. It's like, oh, you know, bicep thing. up through shoulder and peck.
0: I'm going to see this. I want to see this. You know, I have had tattoos for years. You know that? Yeah. Yeah. Not too many. Not a sleeve. Yeah. I might have to get it's like a, It was
1: like an awakening. Of it sounded years.
0: so dirty and then it's just a tattoo. How sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shamath, as usual, it was great talking to you. You tattooed crazy man. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews I've done with Transparent creator Jill Soloway, Instagram CEO Kevin Systrom, and the authors of built for growth. Chris Keeney and John Dan are just to name a few. You can find all those episodes and more wherever you found this one or on our website, recode.net slash podcast. Now that you're done with this, check out one of our other shows on Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You hear no BS interviews with some of the smartest people in media and entertainment. I also host Too Embarrassed to Ask along with Lauren Good of The Verge, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, including the Code Conference. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to Beth O'Connell and our editor, Chris Basil. And thank you to our producer, Eric Johnson. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday with another great guest, and I'll have Chamath on soon. Thank you, Chamath. Yay. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lauren Grush, space reporter for The Verge. I want to tell you about my new series, Spacecraft. As the daughter of two rocket scientists, I've been around space my whole life. But for the first time ever, I'm learning what it takes to train like an astronaut, from the physical demands of the job to trying on a Mars spacesuit. And then I'm going for a spin in zero gravity. Check out new episodes of Spacecraft on youtube.com slash The Verge and on our Verge Science Facebook page.